This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Wessler Engineering. A long-standing AIM sponsor, Wessler Engineering specializes in wastewater, drinking water, and stormwater projects. Trusted, client-focused, responsive, and cost-effective, it's how we do business. The partnerships we create are as important as the work we do. With Wessler Engineering, you are more than a project. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller with AIM, and we have two fantastic guests joining us today. Uh, both probably need little introduction, but I'll go ahead and do it. We have Senator uh, Pohl from up in Northwest Indiana, and the newest Senator, Senator Michael Griffin, uh, also from Northwest Indiana. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the, the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. So... I think most folks probably know, but both of you have a pretty uh, significant and respected history in local municipal government. Uh, Michael, I think you said when you uh, were sworn in uh, halfway through the session that you'd been the, the clerk treasurer in Highland for 30 years and 36 days. That's right. Uh, Senator Bull, you've, you've had a lot of work in local government as well, working as a city attorney. So maybe let's just start there and... Uh, you know, you both filled vacate, vacant seats uh, in the Senate. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about how your local government experience prepared you for the, the role of senator. Yeah, so, um, you know, after after law school, I had worked with the uh, with the state public defender and had actually uh, traveled a lot of the state of Indiana, going to every different every different community and working uh, within the criminal justice system. And after doing that for a couple of years, um, I had some friends that had contacted me from the city of Gary. They were, they said that they had, um, you know, they had, they were anticipating some serious uh, vacancies in their, uh, in their law department. And they were really concerned. And my wife and I were both from Northwest Indiana. We looked at the opportunity as a great time to come back to the region. Um, you know, I was I was originally from Lake County, and uh, you know, kicked around Gary a whole lot when I was little, and and really just um, just wanted to come back. And and I had actually talked to a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Joe Van Dyke, into becoming the director of redevelopment. He had come from uh, out in California, and he was going to planning school. And I said, you need to go back to Gary. You know, you you. I, I, I'm sure that they could use, you know, some fresh eyes as far as planning and redevelopment. And uh, it was between Gary and, and uh, Detroit, I think, for him. And so he ended up picking Gary. And so when they had that vacancy, he said, OK, I came. Now it's your turn. So I ended up coming up there um, and it was young staff. Uh, it was under Karen Freeman Wilson. Um, you know, it was a, it was it was a really really exciting time. You know, you had a lot of potential. You had a lot of federal money that was coming in from hardest hit, so you saw a lot of demolition work that was going on. Um, and but the thing with me was I'd never done anything in 
local government as far as you know the operations of a local government. Um, so that part was was definitely a steep learning curve, and it was definitely a getting fed to the wolves type of thing. But I had an amazing organization at the time called the Indiana Associations of City and Towns, the uh, precursor to AIM. That I, I mean, I had Jody Woods on the phone all the time, and it was uh, it was such a such an amazing. I mean, it, for me, it was a safety net. Um, you know, there there were things that I'd never heard of, things that maybe she had never heard of, but she was you know, really instrumental in saying, all right, well, uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call somebody from, you know, somebody from Southern Indiana that I know that had worked on something like this, not exactly like this, but, you know, we'll get them on the phone and we'll talk this out and we'll, we'll get you help. And it was, you know, it's just an absolutely invaluable, uh, resource for me. So, uh, as time went on, I, you know, started getting a lot, you know, a lot more confident in, um, in the work there, started getting a little bit more innovative, uh, you know, in our approach and trying to make sure that, uh, you know, that the city was, was as protected as possible. And now we've got, uh, you know, kind of a, a stable of, uh, of attorneys that we're really supposed to be budgeted for that are, they're all learning. They're really, really, really excited about the, uh, about the conference tomorrow. The first time that they're actually going to be able to go to the AIM conference in person, so, uh, so yeah, uh, things in, you know, things have really worked out. Things have worked out really well for, for us in the law department there. So I'll turn it over to Mike. I hadn't heard that part of your story center. I was really, I was as engaged by it, I think, as they might've been. I didn't know that part. That's such a great story. And I'm glad that you got Mr. Van Dyke to come because uh, I know he's a talented guy. That's good to hear. Uh, well, Matt and Jennifer and my colleague, Senator Paul, you, you may know my story. It's true. I was, the clerk treasurer, I did not expect to be an incumbent senator, um, but it sort of presented itself. I had intended to run, I'd already filed and had made the decision that this eighth term as the clerk treasurer of the town of Highland would be my last. And I was working on a lot of the issues I ended up getting to finish up when we got down there uh, as an active member of Ames Legislative Committee, as well as the clerk treasurer's league uh, legislative committee as well. And I was as surprised as anyone. I'm not sure anybody but the family knew that Senator Frank Mervan, not the congressman, but the father of the congressman, who's actually the junior, not the, not the son, um, had decided that he was going to retire uh, mid-session, literally mid-session. So I think it was about January 11th, he made that announcement. I got a call from people that knew I was running that said it was I needed to step up and do this. And I wasn't sure I was going to do it, uh, but a lot of good people talked me into it. And... Um, I got caught. I, I left the office on February 4th as the, the seventh clerk, excuse me, the, yeah, the seventh clerk treasurer of the town of Highland. That Saturday, I was caucused in, and that Monday, I was receiving my oath of office from Chief Justice Loretta Rush, and it's been a rush ever since. I went from the session literally to uh, having a primary with the same rival I had as I had in my uh, caucus, and I've taken a little bit of time to take a short breath. And I've been back out there because uh, my district is very new, as was Senator Paul's. And my district is very different from the district that I'm serving now. It'll still have nearly all of Highland, but instead of Munster and South Hammond and the north side of Dyer, Cherville, and, and, and then also Griffith, I have Highland, Griffith, and all of St. John Township, which moves me further south, uh, nine precincts in Maryville and all of Calumet Township. Uh, and it is, it is a diverse district. Uh, and uh, if I go to the southernmost part of the district to the northernmost part of the district, it's a very different experience. It's a, 
Um, I'm actually very excited about it, but I'm also working very hard. Thanks, thank you both. Um, you know, Senator Paul, I guess you're, what, four weeks, Michael Sr., four, six weeks, Michael Sr., but both of, uh, both of you experienced your first session this, this past time around. What was it like? Um, you know, you're, you're in an area where you're, you're facing super majorities uh, every day. Sometimes hard for the minority to get some of their ideas and thoughts across. What was that like for you? Drinking out of a fire hose, I'm sure. But what was it? Uh, um, share some of your experiences and some of the most memorable things from your first session. Well, for for me, um, you know, I I gotten sworn in in in, in November, uh, actually on Organization Day. Uh, so for me, it was a little bit different than Mike because I was I had a I had a little bit of runtime because I was able to actually propose some bills. Uh, Mike, I, I know you were it was un, we were unfortunate enough that Mike wasn't able to do something like that. That you know you had to get all your bills filed before uh, before session started. So for me, the you know the sitting down and you know it's like you were kind of it was I felt like I was the dog that finally caught the car you know chasing the car because it was like okay now I can actually try to propose some things and make some of these changes that I always see. So that, that part was great. And that part was very, very encouraging. Um, you know, when you get there and you kind of, you know, you, you know, it's going to be tough to get anything heard, but, um, you know, and that's just simply be because we're in the super minority, it was a short session, you know, these, you know, the, uh, the committee meetings were going to be few, you know, fewer than a, than a longer session. So you knew you were going to have fewer opportunities. But uh, I think what was somewhat encouraging for me was it was easier to work across the aisle than I thought it was going to be. It was easier to kind of, um, you know, and, and relying on, you know, relying on uh, our backgrounds in municipal government. So, for example, both uh, Senator Griffin and I uh, sit on, local, on the local government committee. And so it did feel as if, you know, the, that our, our, you know, our opinion on, on a lot of the matters were given credence. They were given, uh, you know, don't you know kind of a street cred that okay well these guys do understand maybe how this stuff is ultimately going to pan out um one of my favorites is in senator griffin's first day you know he had you know he had, i forgot exactly what the topic was that he had started discussing but i had one of the other uh senators from across the aisle come over and say okay where did this guy come from <laughs> you know when you know and it, it's it's one of those things that it's you know it's it's it you, you absolutely have to have that. It's absolutely instrumental for us um, on our side of the aisle to have at the very end of the day, you know, if we don't have the numbers, we definitely have the policy, we definitely have the experience. And so having sent, you know, a Senator out there like Mike Griffin is just, it's amazing. Um, so, so it was both tougher in ways that I didn't, didn't realize it was going to be and then easier in other ways. So I was able to get a couple of things amended. Uh, we were able to stop some pretty bad legislation, some stuff that um, we thought was going to be harmful to the uh, Indiana Association or the, you know, to advance uh, Indiana municipalities, um, working both with, uh, with your legislative group. Um, they were fantastic. They were, you know, absolutely relentless through, throughout the entire session, um, all the way up through the end. So uh, definitely, um, you know, uh, kudos to them so um if this starts to sound like a mutual admiration society please forgive me but i do have a deep uh and warm respect professional and otherwise for senator paul he's he he laughs when i say he's kind of mentored me but he really has uh he called me to encourage me before i got down there after i had 
uh, succeeded in the caucus and he also sits near me. And the first two days I, I was like, I couldn't believe I was sitting in the state Senate chamber and I had a desk and my name was on it and my name was on the wall and everything. It was just the coolest ever. But he had to remind me to prompt me to press my button to say that I was present to establish a quorum because I was kind of still in a daze. Um, I do believe that our local government backgrounds, I, I, as, he, as he shared with you, we do both serve on the local government committee. Um, it was impressive to see. I always had a deep respect and appreciation that AIM had done an outstanding job advocating for cities and towns. Uh, but I saw it from the side of they would come back from the trenches and report back. I now actually got to be in the field and watch them work in a way I hadn't seen before. And they're amazing. So I, I wasn't surprised that they were amazing, but it was instructive to see them on that end uh, as opposed to the other. I will say local government. I hope I get to stay on that committee. I love it. Uh, Senator Buck is an interesting chair. They're, all the chairs are welcoming, uh, but it was fun. Senator Niemeyer sits on there and he knew me having been long time in local government and teased me that I had made it there. Um, it was, it was ironic and delightful um, to be on the first bill that I co-sponsored uh, along with Senator Paul uh, was brought by Senator, excuse me, Representative Soliday and uh, sponsored first in the Senate by Senator Charbonneau. And it was the first one that I ever co-sponsored with someone dealing with the Aberdeen situation in Valparaiso and it involved annexation. And it was, I didn't say a word, but it was all I could do to think that Senator Buck appreciated that we were gonna do that. He's not generally friendly to that. Uh, and the other experience I had was 1260, uh, House Bill 1260. I came exactly when all the bills from the House came to the Senate and all the Senate bills had gone over to the House. So I didn't really see a Senate bill to speak of until very end of conference committee, which is nothing like they say it is in the books. If you'd asked me before the session what a conference committee is, I thought I could explain it to you. But after having experience, it is nothing like what the book says. Oh, it's descriptive, but it's, the experience can't be captured in words in a book, I don't think. Uh, and 1260, I would, had worked on a little bit and been briefed on by Commissioner Bennett because it was essentially the DLGF bill. And I actually got to be uh, a conferee on that, that bill and work with uh, State Representative Leonard. Uh, and I, in fact, I got to know him a little bit just from that experience. And I, I regret the fact that he did not make it through his primary, but I made a point to come down early when we were called into the special session for technical work uh, to go to his, the little fete that they had for him to celebrate his long service. And I thanked him for how he was a leader on that committee and it was, it was good. I, I just wanna echo something and amplify something Senator Paul had said, uh, especially in the Senate, it is obvious that we're divided by an invisible line because some of us wear a different team shirt than the other, but it really does feel most days like one team, like we're one Senate. We all have points of view, but they do regard you as a senator. There's not, it doesn't feel as if you're automatically pigeonholed or you're put in a place that doesn't allow your idea to at least get vented. It is clear that you have to get someone in the majority party to, to buy in if it's going to get any traction anywhere. But legislating is always about relationships. They have to first think you have some heft intellectually and that you respect the institution and they have to be personable and, and develop relationships that form trust. And that's just what you have to do to live in the world. So, uh, and I, I think that the Senate's got that a lot. And I really found that very uh, heartening in my first experience. Michael, you already alluded to it, but you're both on Senate local government. Obviously that's a very important committee to us and where we spend an awful lot of our time. Um, 
maybe go a little bit deeper. What issues do you see coming before the committee in, in future sessions? Um, where are we headed? You know, likely to be a variety of issues coming forward, whether it's annexation or whether it's planning and zoning issues or whatever it might be. You know, Senator Paul, you were on, well, you were on a uh, bill last year, relatively small bill that we asked Senator Walker to carry uh, that made sure that, that minors names didn't show up on police log reports. We had a very unfortunate incident uh, here in central Indiana when that happened a, a year or two ago. And thank you for your work there. We were able to, to get that put into law and, and hopefully ensure that that doesn't happen anymore. So it's not always the big topics that we always hear about. It's it's oftentimes some of the smaller, uh, more mechanical types of things that make local government work better. So where do you both see the committee heading, uh, maybe start with Senator Pohl first. Yeah, I, I think that we're we're definitely probably going to see more annexation bills. Um, I think that's that's simply kind of the, um, it, it seems to be, you know, something that Senator Buck is, is passionate about and concerned about from his standpoint. Um, you know, and I know that you know, he, there are organizations, um, some decent or, you know, decently large organizations or influential organizations that, you know, support his concerns. Um, you know, I know Jenna and Chris, they were in the hallways, you know, every day. And we had pretty much almost, I felt like I talked more about annexation now than I ever have in my entire life. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily a big topic in, in the city of Gary. So, you know, right, well, it, it really anywhere in Northwest Indiana, right. It's landmark right. from the as a city and town perspective. So that's an important point, I think. And that's exactly right. I, I mean, kudos to, to to Jenna and Chris. They really helped kind of educate me on that. It was something that, um, you know, I, I didn't understand really why it was such a big topic as far as, you know, why there were, you know, a couple of different bills. I believe there was a House bill and then there was Senator Buck's bill. I know Senator Buck was, was you know, he was a little bit uh, upset that his bill didn't make it, but there was, there was, too many, you know, there's there's too much too much of a of an argument to, to allow those the municipalities that flexibility and the creativity, um, you know, and, and really at, at this point, um, you know, how how tight they're already struggling to to kind of you know ensure that they're getting the revenue that they need while still providing a lot of the services that they have to. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it didn't make sense to me. And then as Senator Griffin had pointed out, you. Know, we turned around and had the whole Aberdeen situation where it was kind of like, see, we obviously need this as a tool. You know, you're going to have municipalities that, um, and, and communities, it's not necessarily just about, you know, the, the municipality wanting to grow and that in the Aberdeen situation, it really appeared as if those individuals that lived in that community were you know, really kind of clamoring for that. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think that that'll be uh, an issue that does come up again. Um, as far as the, uh, the, the police log, uh, legislation, I was really happy to see, um, you know, I was really happy to see that and the collaboration that we had with, um, you know, with Senator Walker from across the aisle. Um, those are, you know, and that, I think that came out of, I don't think that was a local government. I think that was out of criminal correct or, uh, corrections. It was, it was. Um, but yeah, that was, um, you know, th there was, it was always great to work on some of those bills like that. Um, other than that, as far as perspectively, besides annexation, um, I can see, you know, I can see that there, there'll probably be, you know, another eminent domain. Um, I could see there being another eminent domain uh, uh, bill that would be coming out. Um, 
you know, my my fear is that there will be, you know, more attacks on kind of that local control. Um, and it's something I'm a major proponent of. Some, you know, I know both Mike and I can really truly understand how creative we have to get at the local level in order to, you know, in order to kind of make ends meet for, you know, from our from our standpoint. Um, a lot of times, you know, particularly with the tax caps and you know the circuit breaker and a lot of the other you know things that kind of limit us, um, there are you know we're kind of left to our own devices at times. And, um, you know, and, and even from the legislature, a lot of times we have these great ideas and we think, okay, well, yeah, if we just, you know, um, this is something that we should absolutely require. And it's kind of like, well, that becomes an unfunded mandate at times. And you know, how's the local community going to pay for it? It's, it is a great idea, but, um, you know, when you, when you kind of tie the local communities, the hands behind their back, it's, you know, that's a, that's very problematic for us. So, so I'm, I'm really glad to be down there and advocating for um, for those local communities and for local control. Hey, Senator Griffin, we've known each other for a long, long time, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, right before you left our group and went to the Senate, we started talking about this issue called super tips at the state level, you know, innovation development districts. And then I just read yesterday or the day before now the, the new area up around Lebanon, the sort of the Indiana version of North Carolina's research triangle, if you will, yeah. that there's this massive area of land petitioning to come into the city via annexation in Lebanon. So now you have these state involved projects that are gonna require these local tools that we've thought about and talked about and fought for for years and years, sometimes with the state, sometimes against, so how do you see all that meshing together, uh, whether it be TIF, whether it be annexation, the state is taking a keen interest, I think, now in, in some of those tools. And it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how all that plays out. So where uh, do you I, see the legislature heading and, and working with the administration and, and sort of pushing some of those things forward? I'm hope, I met Dan Hugie, who is the quiet leader of, he's going to be managing that, the agency. And I talked to him a little bit at the uh, South Shore dedication for Double Track up here. It was well attended. And I said to him, uh, I hope that this will equip him to be friendlier uh, to these tools. I was stunned because essentially AIM did the terrific job of protecting them from uh, denying, overlapping unduly our local prerogatives to use allocation areas. And uh, I thought that the final bill was, was a good one. And I said, if you need any help on these, we'll certainly help you. But I hope it makes them less inclined to attack them, especially when they get the experience about how they work. And I can't wait for them. In Lebanon, it'll be less likely to happen. But I can't wait if they're going to do some urban renewal project that's more north and they find how they've arrested the ability, those things to produce money because of tax caps. I will. I won't say I'll told you so, but I'll surely say something very close to that. I think um, I do think that um, I'm hopeful that we won't have to fight uh, eminent domain powers again. But I, I agree that annexation always lurks in the background. Uh, my hope is the one thing I'm waiting for that we haven't heard anything. You may, like I said, I think you may have heard more than I have. Is the next round of federal money, the the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, a lot of my colleagues have told me, and you probably are more aware of this than most, that they're wrapping up on the ARPA money uh, and they're still doing the reporting requirements. But I've heard precious little, and I know that's going to be a serious, a significant amount of money that we're going to have to program both at the state level, but also make available easily to local governments to program as well. 
And I'm hopeful that that will allow us to have this renaissance of infrastructure investment, which, um, and I, I don't know if you knew this, I, I must, I don't know how this happened. Uh, Senator Krause came up to me one day on his way out, we were near the end of the session, he asked me if I rode a bike. I said, I love riding a bike. It's the only thing I do with my family. And I talked about the bike trail in Highland and how proud I was because we were one of the early people to get in those first funding mechanisms. And then I get called that I'm going to be in a meeting. I thought I was a member of the trail bipartisan bicameral caucus. I'm one of its co-chairs. So um, I was, I like the people on there. I'd met all of them, but uh, well, I'd met all of them before I got there. Now that I think about it, I did know Senator uh, Donato. In any event, um, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to advocate for cities and towns and even counties as need be, but not too much, Matt, um, so that I will uh, hopefully help divert some of that money to do trails development. All of us had the same story. All of our park leadership said that they loved the capital that they had to be able to develop the trails. But they'd love to have some money for maintenance. Uh, and our hope is that some of that, in, that infrastructure money will be uh, targeted for that as well. Michael, if you were still sitting on our board or a legislative committee, you would tell me it's never too much. So feel free to <laughs> push forward. That's right. I haven't forgotten it. I will tell you, this is an interesting position. I know I've been, I was a vocal advocate for home rule. That has not changed. Uh, but I'm in a different place. So I, uh, you were talking about uh, groups that advocate for their rights to assemble and consult for their common good, I believe, is one of the amendments. It's in the state constitution like that. I believe it's in the federal constitution under the First Amendment rubric. Um, I do have some sympathy for the groups that want to come together to advocate for their working conditions and their wages. Um, I hope that I'm able to ameliorate the, ten the natural tensions between home rule and the legitimate tensions of advocating to improve working conditions for working men and women. Uh, I, I was, we had a meeting yesterday with some of the representatives of the firefighters uh, professional union. And it was interesting to be able to say that all the things I feel about advocacy for improving pay, I always feel like we don't pay our best workers enough. Uh, but I feel like in public safety, especially the complications of tax caps in some areas and wanting to make property taxes be the, the most significant driver of how we pay people there in public safety so that regardless of the economic cycle we're in, they get a check and they're out there doing their jobs for us and uh, safely. Uh, I, I hope I've started to convey that idea a little bit, but it'll be interesting. I haven't had to face, am I gonna be at odds? Generally speaking, I hope I get to be in the room along with Senator Paul advocating what are positions that AIM would naturally have an affinity for. If I'm the Senator from AIM, that won't hurt my feelings. You know, as we uh, wrap up here, Senator Paul, what, um... We'll just spend a couple minutes to talk about the session in general coming up, the 23 session, what you think it, it's a budget session, um, obviously something <clears throat> that will weigh over the entire discussion throughout the, the months of the general assembly meeting. What do you see on the horizon? What are some of your priorities for the session? And then Michael, maybe follow up from, from that as well. Um, one of the one I think one of the encouraging summer study commission or committees uh, that I think that set was the, the complexity uh, studying the complexity index for uh, for school funding and you know going into a budget year I think that's going to be really important I'm really looking forward um, even though I don't sit on the education committee or um, you know or the uh, you know, or, or or ways and means or finance and and um, it's it's one of those 
it's one of those topics that's near and dear to my heart. I've, I've watched too many of the districts, um, you know, that have suffered both, you know, I've, I've, you know, being in the city of Gary, you see, see the issues that they've had over time. Um, you know, and so my, I'm, I've, I've taken a very keen interest to that and kind of, I'm hoping to be in folks ears as they, as that committee goes through, um, you know, and some, and kind of learn as much as I possibly can to kind of prepare for what is on the horizon as far as school funding this year. Uh, in addition to that, um, I don't know whether or not I'm going to be able to sit on the on the health committee uh, that had that was assigned the uh, you know that was assigned the, the topic of uh, the medical benefits of, of marijuana. But that is definitely one of the things that I'm very interested in. Uh, my predecessor, Senator Italian, who was an amazing legislator, she was you know she was obviously one of those uh, one of the first advocates in our state for. Um, you know, for any legalization efforts. And so it's definitely a, a topic that I'll be very, very closely paying attention to, um, you know, and I think that Indiana is kind of starting to realize more and more how much of an island that it's on, some of the opportunities that they're missing. Um, you know, the fact that it was assigned to, to health as opposed to criminal corrections, um, or maybe one of the other, uh, you know, it, I think it's kind of tipping their hat that they'd be much more interested in, in only in a, a medical approach as opposed to a uh, full legalization approach, um, which, you know, I think it's a step forward, but I would just hope that that was, that's not where the steps stop. I would hope that eventually we would get to that, uh, to the point where we become, you know, a modern, we have a modern approach like Illinois and Michigan and pretty much all these other states that are around us have. So those are, I think, um, you know, two of, uh, two of what the, Two, two topics that I think are going to be really important um, going into this next session, um, aside of, you know, what may be coming down from the uh, Supreme Court uh, with the Dobbs decision, um, that could definitely become, you know, something that kind of takes, uh, kind of takes the center stage. So, so yeah, I mean, as, as far as women's rights and, um, you know, women's health rights, that's, that's definitely something that is going to be, I think, a, a very, very large looming topic for, um, you know, for our state and pretty much every state. So, Michael, what about you? What do you see coming up for the 23 session? I, I just associate myself with uh, Senator Paul's <clears throat> understanding of the circumstances. I will say that there's been a couple of minor things that I think are big policy choices that are modest in scope um, that I've already seen. When we were discussing an alternative to the, the uh, challenge of high fuel prices owing to um, inflation, one of the things that came up was suspending the gas taxes. There's actually two that are major. And as you know, one of them is essentially the tax that funds road building. And a lot of street and public works departments. And the other one is the use tax, which is the retail sales tax. I, one of the things I wanna get my head around a little bit better is why they calculate, the statute requires them to, but why they do an average calculation based on the average retail price instead of a real-time 7% calculation for the sales tax, like everyone else does. Um, there, I know there had to be a rationale for it, but it seems to me that that was from a time when we didn't have electronic metering at most pumps that could be fixed. The other thing I hope that we could do as a policy matter, we have a fiscal impact statement as a requirement in the legislature to determine the cost of something. But I also feel like that that, that errs on the side of not spending when we need to. And I think it tends to make the legislature not conservative, but sometimes unduly cautious about new initiatives that require money. The public sector exists for a lot of reasons. It's to do those things that the private sector and other sectors are unwilling or unable to do. 
And so sometimes there's just some costs associated with that. And the classic rates of return that you would use to a, uh, there's not a rate of return in public safety, even though some economists can give you one. It's a pure public good. It's not appropriable. So, uh, or it is appropriate, excuse me. But I would like to do an economic impact statement in addition to the fiscal impact, because I do think a lot of public investment doesn't get evaluated at the level of the value that it adds, uh, like roads, uh, and, and how those dollars actually uh, have a high rate of return and value in the, in the larger economy. Um, I do, back on that gas tax, I do feel like I was helpful just in my little way of reminding our caucus when we were discussing the idea that that money gets used to run street and public works departments too. So if you suspend it, you wanna hold the locals and counties harmless. And I know that that became one of the remarks that most people stated uh, as that got advanced. It didn't get any traction as you might imagine. Um, and of course we have a likely special session that will deal with another $225 uh, taxpayer uh, inflation buffer uh, that will come up. I, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to get my arms around the budget. I, I know that we use these terms of art interchangeably and it's confused me because I know what a surplus is and uh, I know what cash on hand that's unobligated and unappropriated is. And sometimes they, a lot of my colleagues, but it's because the legislative administration does it too, confuse fund and account. I don't think everybody does that. My hope is I can get on there on the tax and fiscal policy committee. I'm, I'm hopeful of that. Uh, and even if not, I'll just try to insinuate myself in a way to try to get my head around where I love the budget process because it's the one place that implicates all the policies the state's going to implicate. Um, and so I feel like that's one of the advantages that my 30 years of public finance experience bring. Senator Paul, I'm going to give you the last word. And, and I know that uh, caucus discussions are sacred and we, we, don't, <clears throat> we don't talk about what happens in caucus. But Jennifer and I and others on the AIM team have been around Michael for a long time. And whenever we're in a meeting with him, we always have the thesaurus pulled up on our iPads or, or whatever. So uh, how has his mastery of the, the English vocabulary come across in caucus and, and the rest of the Senate? Oh, man, that is it. I, I will. I, I mean, it's it's not just our caucus. It's everywhere. You know, we'll sit down. I remember we, he had brought up the conference committee and there was one of the it was the it was one of the local government conference committees. I can't remember exactly which bill it was on, but Michael was, or Senator Griffin was the uh, was the chair and he had provided both the context of what he believed that the the uh, the bill would uh, would do uh, historically why the way it was and um, you know went into went into I, I want to say probably a, a full-on seminar about the history behind uh, the original bill and I just remember one of the uh, one of the colleagues from across the aisle just kind of turning to me and just saying <laughs> you know what did he just say? <laughs> I said, you know, it's it's hard for me to explain. I mean, you might want to just talk to him about it because he he really is just um, you know he's just somebody that's just so well respected across across the entire spectrum. Um, when we were just at the, I was just at the uh, um, the ILA uh, or IALCT, the uh, Clerk Treasurer's uh, Convention up here in, in Michigan City this last uh, it was last week or two weeks ago. And I give the the early uh, morning uh, welcoming uh, regards, and 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 had mentioned as soon as I mentioned the name Michael Griffin, I just had this you know early morning raucous applause. I mean, it, it was as if you know I 
I had brought up, you know, a, a war hero that had been, uh, had made it through and got it, you know, had made it through and was getting this, you know, this honor. And it was just simply just, yeah, you know, I'm really glad that uh, you guys were able to, you know, help, uh, you know, or you guys were able to help Michael Griffin become such a great, uh, you know, such a great clerk treasurer that he became such a resource to us uh, in the Senate eventually. And so, you know, his, you know, his reputation really you know, definitely precedes him. Um, he was somebody that I I would heavily rely on from, you know, from working in the local government and now having him in the caucus. He's essentially a second, you know, financial consultant. We have, you know, on staff, we have, um, you know, uh, Susan Preble, who's an amazing, amazing sure. staffer. And so it's funny because, you know, Michael will start talking and she just lights up and she kind of turns to him like, oh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a really, it's a really good way of, of putting it. So, so yeah, he's, I, I can't, I cannot sing his praises enough. Um, and, and if you ask anybody in our caucus, they'll say the same, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of having a, a superhero on the team. So You're thank great. you both for joining us. We'll see you I'm sure before the session, but if not, uh, certainly in January and uh, good luck and uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you very much. This same Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Wessler Engineering.